It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara roars away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello, Paul Cochran with you for another episode of the Sprint Lane Podcast. Jess Watkins with me as always. G'day, Jess. Hey, Paul. Great to be back. It is good to be back. Hey, we love doing these special sit-down interviews with people who, when they're in our backyard, we've got to take advantage of that. And we've got a really good one with us today. Michael Brennan, welcome to the show, mate. Afternoon, guys. How are we? Mate, it's fantastic to have you. You're all the way from the West. Yeah, long trip across, but uh, time's coming close to an end now, so. Mate, it's just about... You said afternoon, it'd be getting out of bedtime over, over there in Western <laughs> Australia at the just moment. Just about. Hey, Jess, Michael Brennan, OAM. We don't have people with OAM on the very end of their special. name very often. That's it. Very, very <laughs> special to have a Michael Brennan OAM he- here with us today. That's obviously um, a legacy of a really, really decorated hockey career that you had, mate. Um, you know, what a what a great servant to that sport you've been. But it's been a long journey in our sport now, isn't it? Well over a decade. Yeah, well and truly. You know, I had um, a good grounding at, at Gary Hall Seniors for 10 years. I think I was, I was forming there and then sort of been out on my own for probably 8 to 10 years now as well. So, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, been a good grounding. You did a bit of time with Fred Kersley before that too, didn't you? Yeah, I worked a little bit with Fred with the Gallops as well and that. And, um, and in between that was uh, with Russell Jack as well. So, All right, we'll get into that. You hear, obviously, you brought Penny Tiger over for a crack at the Miracle Mile. Um, Look, Penny Tiger's not in the field for this weekend, but it hasn't hasn't been a complete failure, the campaign, but if you reflect on it, what's your assessment? Um, yeah, you're right. Look, our, our end goal was a miracle mile. Um, at the end of the day, we were two metres short uh, last Saturday, and uh, in the Newcastle Mile, we were four metres short. So, look, we haven't re- reached our end goal, but what, what we have done is we've, we've worked out that that horse is he's a very, very good horse. Um, and what it has done is give him a great grounding to come back next year and give it a, a real, real red hot crack because I know he's up to them. Um, and I was saying to you earlier, like he's only had two runs in free for all company, and that's for Newcastle Mile and the sprint. So he, um, I'm very proud of the horse, very proud of the job we've done as a team. And um, I think um, you know you still got Saturday to go. We haven't given up hope yet. We've still got the still got the Lottos free for all to go on Saturday. So uh, very excited about that. Uh, and then we'll go back and we'll regroup and we'll plan to come back again next year. It's a fair old deep dive, isn't it, Jess? You know, first first crack at free-for-all company and you do it in that Newcastle Mile and in the sprints here. That's right. I was really excited when I found out that he was coming over to see the efforts that he'd done running on Gloucester Park in such quick time over there. And, of course, we know Gloucester Park's only an 800-metre track, to, so to see him come over on Newcastle, which is a 1,000 metres, and then here at Menangle, which is even bigger again, was really exciting. And he's definitely shown his customary gate speed over here as well. Yeah, he has. Look, he's, he's an excitement machine. He really is. Um, what he did at home in those two nights of thunder runs before he come across um, – you know, he went 151 to around a half-mile track. Um, there's never been a horse in history in WA go that fast. Um, and that's that's the reason we bought him, because, you know, he's he's got enormous speed. He's got enormous talent. Um, and this was, yeah, you know, it was, it was a deep dive, but we weren't far wrong. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, there was big wraps. We were excited to see him go around. Uh, hey, it's a game of – we talk about sport being a game of inches. I mean, in this instance, it's a game of metres, which effectively is like inches in other sports. Um, so close to being in this big race on Saturday night. Yeah, look, um, 
it is what it is. You know, like we, we give it a go. It didn't quite work out. But in saying that, I, I know that all the owners are extremely proud and they've, and they've all had a great buzz out of actually just watching him race in a Newcastle mile, you know, and, and racing a sprint leading into a, mu- a Miracle Mile, you know. For them, for them, there's a lot of first-time owners and a lot of blokes that have had horses for a very long time and they've never had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and that in itself is, it is worth its weight in gold for the owners and owners themselves, you know, just to be able to sit back in Perth watching the Newcastle Mile and actually seeing their horse in front for a very, very long way. Yeah, yeah, and it's good for our, for our brand here too, isn't it, that, you know, the, there's, there's eyeballs right across the country and with a, with a sort of, I, I guess, a local investment there in Western Australia in, in our product here, Jess. Yeah, that's right, Paul. And it's not just nationally as well, it's internationally as well with the Kiwis that have come over from there too. But it's great to have Michael here visiting from the West. And I know there's been plenty of interest from people over there in WA with their eyes on the carnival because they've got rep- representation from Pinny Tiger. There was a hot field in the Newcastle Mile, mate. Like, that's as good as we've seen in a, in a while. Obviously, COVID impacted on how, on how deep that race has run in the last few years. But this one was back to as good if not better than we've ever seen on the Newcastle Miles. So yeah absolutely. fourth is very credible. Yeah, yeah look and you know I think if he hadn't been five weeks between runs and hadn't hit the gate at the start um, I think the result might have been a little bit different. He sort of lost half a length at the start um, then had to make that back up you know he's run 26-4 off the gate after missing it a half a length if he actually was on the gate and, and run the gate like he can uh, he probably gets across in 27-4 um, and that that changes changes things a lot. Um, so, yeah, look, anyway, we run fourth. We yeah. moved on and, you know, we went around the sprints. Well, as Jess said, that's a 1,000-metre track at Newcastle, so it's a bit closer to what, what he goes through at home yeah. there at Gloucester Park. This one's a different beast here at Tabcorp Park, Menangle. What, what have you learned out of the experience and his first go of going around here, which is, you know, it's like a marathon trying to get around this track? Yeah, it's... Um and look, we, we give him a hit out with Jillyby Kung Fu. Um, try to simulate it as best we could for, for race conditions, but nothing, nothing gets him set for it. Like like being around here a few times, you know, like you often see with a lot of the Victorian horses that come up, they always take that one or two runs to to really get used to it. Because as you say, like at home, he's swinging off the turn and he's got 150 metres to go. Mm. He's not getting, you know, he's swinging off the turn here and got 375 metres to go. It's a long, long way in, and it and. It's, um, the tempo and, and things like that is not a whole lot different to the way we race at home, but um, just that that long long run in um, it takes it takes him a little bit of getting used to. How do you think he's is, is he the type of horse that can have that long sustained run and, and have success over that style, or, or is that? And if he's not, have you learnt out of this and think, well, that's a race I want, so therefore I'm going to have to integrate that into his development. Um, I still sort of probably haven't had enough samples. Yeah. You know, um, and I think this week will probably give us another another real indication. Stepping out to 2,400 is a distance that he really likes. Um, he's an outstanding miler, but he, he does get the 2,500 metres really well. Um, he's, you know, we, 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 train, we train for sustained speed over there uh, for, to suit our racing. Um, I tried to sharpen him up a little bit for the, for the mile heats, uh, but went back to a little bit more of the... The, the more staying type training this week um, and he he impressed Chris a lot this morning. Chris Geary's taken the drive on Saturday night so he, I, I put Chris on in this morning, impressed him a lot. Um, so yeah, just just looking forward to this weekend, you know, like um, 
Ne- never once will we walk away from this trip thinking of it being, you know, disappointing because it's just been a wonderful experience. It's wonderful to get back over here again. You know, like I miss being able to travel um, and it's taken a while for me to get that right horse to bring back um, and I know that, you know, whatever we do this time will be much better next time. Okay, so did you did you sort of view it as, because like, you said the goal was to get in the Miracle Mile, was it kind of almost a bonus though if you got the Miracle Mile this year because maybe he's going to be better for this year next year? Is that was that part of the thinking? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like um, you know, you got to you got to set those goals. But they've got to be you know they've got to be realistic. And I realistically thought he could make it through, and we weren't far wrong. Um, but what it has done is given him a sensational grounding for to go home, have a have a break, come back. Um, s- serious assault on our summer carnival with. Uh, with the next year's carnival here, carnival miracles here, um, firmly on our agenda because it was sort of an afterthought after after the nights of thunder. It was it wasn't, it's always been in the back of my mind, but the way he went through those nights of thunder heats, I thought, oh, got to have a go. Um, and you know, it's, it's it's very much been worthwhile. Jeez, it would have been good if he'd have got in because I'll tell you what, I've lived and worked in Western Australia. Just no one gets jingoistic and passionate, and I won't say the word one-eyed, but it's. Close to it, like West Australians do. <laughs> I tell you what, what's been the hype back home, mate, around around this horse? Not just on this campaign, but when Penny Tiger goes round, given how how good and how fast he's been, and what an excitement machine he's been there at Gloucester Park. Yeah, look, he's um, going into those. You know, obviously, he won a Group One race leading into the he won the four year old race over there um, and beat um, you know the subsequent Fremantle Cup winner. Um, some outstanding horses. Um, that four-year-old bunch that we had at the end of last season was absolutely an amazing crop of horses, um, and he he did it really really easily in 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 the in the four-year-old classic. And from then, once he stepped into the Knights of Thunder, that talk then did become about you know what's he going to run, um, you know, and went out in the heat and, and jogged around in fifty-one-eight, um, and then you know obviously then then it becomes a little bit more exciting thinking well well can he break Chicago Bulls record? Yeah. Um, and and you know, like he, and he did that. So um, there's plenty of excitement about him as far as just his pure speed and like that. The the heat run was something that people actually love watching. Just a horse getting out there and ripping and tearing, um, and doing it under control and just just freewheeling. You know, they just love watching horses freewheel and run time. I'd imagine you know we we touched on it just briefly. You you did some work with um, with Gary Horsey you did a bit of work with Fred Kersley. Back then, when you're trying to crack into the market, you're ringing people saying do you want to drive my horse or something like, I, I reckon it might have flipped a little bit you got a few drivers contacting you saying when do I get a go on this on this excitement machine yeah well you know like the, over here it's sort of been you know I, I wanted to lock in someone straight away um and and Jimmy was sort of my man but I've had a couple of messages from a few guys when um obviously we've been bobbins in this that day so I had a few messages from a few guys to, <laughs> oh, sure to, to, to make sure that, that, that they said that they'd uh, rearrange their weekends if, if, if they could get the sit. But, um, yeah, no, happy, very happy to have Chrissy Geary on. Um, you know, he's seen him a lot at Luke's and, um, and the kids driving good. Uh, you mentioned, you said, Jimmy, that's James Ratray for people listening. Um, there's a little bit of irony. I mean, where we're sitting, we're in the winner's lounge here at, here at Menangle and we're surrounded by pictures of Bowtide winning the Miracle Mile which is a race you were in, a, a bittersweet moment, no doubt, for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's brilliant every time we come back, um, come back here and you see see Bo and Jimmy um, up behind the bar there and then you can see my little horse's head 
tucked away on the inside run a fourth at Numerical Mile, and that, to me, that was enormous. Um, you know, like coming coming all the way across from WA and being the first horse invited that year, um, and then we drew bad. Um, but just to run, like, to, like you walk away from that going, just run fourth in a, in a Miracle Mile, you know. And it was the same as same as the way we walked away from Newcastle the other night. It was, yeah, we were disappointed we got beat. Um, but I turned around to one of the owners who flew across from Perth. I said, Kimbo, we just we just run fourth in the Newcastle Mile, mate. You know, like, yeah. and to me personally, um, that's just huge. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, is it, how did that? And the reason I ask, I mean, obviously you got beaten by James Ratray, who was on a freak of a horse, bow tied, and you know, so successful there for a couple of years. How did that relationship with you two sort of develop? Um, through the retention barn, through uh, through Bo's first, which was you know, which was a very difficult in dominion for me, me personally. Um, yeah. But yeah, through the retention barn, um, you know, the, the, I think it was the first time they used the retention barn. But we were all in there together and just sort of met up with Jimmy through that, and then uh, a couple of times that. He'd come across with the Inner Dominion. He'd driven. I think he drove two winners for me one night. Um, so yeah, once you know, once we decided to come back, I thought, well, you know, there's no one, you know, someone who knows, you know, drives an angle very, very well. Has got good hands um, and knows what it's like to to win them all. You know, so that was sort of the the thought pattern behind that. Because we reflected on that a few times, haven't we? Just the the collegiate nature of our sport and the ability for people to say, well, when I'm in your backyard, I'll take you in, and vice versa, and because it's I'd incredible. Imagine, well, I'd imagine you probably can't do it without that. No, you can't. Kind of you know, just just to, like I rang Luke out of the blue. Um, I said, "Hey, mate, like, I'm thinking of coming across. What do you need? Where do you want? You know, like it's just and and I'll, everyone is like that. Yeah. Everyone is like that. It's just a great thing about our sport is that no matter what people will, you know, whether it's just taking taking your horse in for you, or someone going out of their way two or three hours to go and pick one up for you, or you know, like, or when, and when things get hard, you know, the, the harness racing industry is, is such an incredible industry. At times, we can we can be our own worst enemies and dragging people down and and um, a little bit of tall poppy sort of stuff. But when it comes down to it, um, when the, the chips are really on the line, uh, that's when the harness racing yeah, people really really and, jump in. You know, and we've seen that in spades over the last twelve months, but particularly recently with everything that's gone on with. You know, natural disasters. Like campaigns yeah. to Team Teal team to teal. prostate cancer, yeah. pacing for pink. There's just so many charitable yeah. causes that everyone jumps on board. But like you said there, as soon as someone's in need, the entire community just gets around them and wants to lend a helping hand. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think that's just, it's, you know, as you say, like there's so many, there's so many good causes now, you know, obviously with Team Teal, but, but people don't stop chipping in. You know, they're happy, you know, like they're happy to take whatever, put whatever in they can. Um, continually, you know, and I think that's just a wonderful thing. So, just these pictures. So, for those who can't, so we're looking at photos. So, you're in that photo up there in 2013, right? Yep. Yep. So, that's you running fourth there. So, this one here, 2014, you said that, that was, yeah. was a tough year. That was a tough year. Yeah. That so, was a tough year. <laughs> you're referencing I'm victorious. Yep. yep. Yeah. How, how have you, um, so things, obviously, the, the horse was badly hurt. Yeah. It was in racing in that race. Um, yep. And I still, you know, I drive, have to drive past the city uni sort of every day on the way out to Luke's. Um, and that road brings back horrible memories for me. Um, just, yeah, what, what we went through that day was horrible. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Um, but, yeah. you know, thankfully we did, 
the group of owners and all the staff at the university and, and you know, once again, the industry himself just got around us and, and did whatever they could to help him out. He spent uh, a good three months at the Sydney Uni and then he spent another three months in rehab and then we drove across and picked him up, took him home and at the moment he's, he's, um, he's as fat as a pig living with his... Um, he had a... When he first come to Australia, um, come to Perth, he was in a paddock with a horse called Pancho Maguire uh, and they never left each other's side and the pair of them are still living living at our place. Um, they've got a 20-acre paddock with a beautiful big lake and he's, he earned his spot but he's, he's just loving life. Isn't that nice to hear, Jess? It's amazing. You yeah. always hear these fantastic stories of how the horses are more than just horses to everyone in this sport. They have such a soft spot for them and they hold such a special place in their heart and of course, he took you on some really, probably some of your highest points in this sport, 22 wins from 34 starts. Which one would you say was the most exciting win of his? Uh, probably the um, the Fremantle Cup. Um, but, they were, you know, like he won three group ones. He won a derby, a nugget and a, and a Fremantle Cup. He, he led and won a derby, which was my first group. Uh, yeah, it might have been my first group one. Um, he came from last in a golden nugget um, and he chaired up in a Fremantle Cup, you know, like he, so he's won three different ways in, in three different age groups. Um, but the Fremantle Cup was probably the, the one that um, stands out to me as, he, as his best win because we'd, we'd been over here. We went to the Victoria Cup. He got knocked down in the Victoria Cup. I had three weeks to get him ready um, for the Fremantle Cup and he went from the Victoria Cup, no run, straight into the Fremantle Cup, chaired up and won. Um, that was pretty That was pretty cool. But, yeah, Every win, every win that we had with him was was really special. It's the same with um, same with all every other horse we've had come through the place. In the, in you know, like I've always said, the day I stop cheering one home, whether it's a maiden at Narragin, whether it's a Group One race at, at Gloucester Park or a Group One race over here, the day I stop cheering one home when they win is the day I got to give it up because it just it's not, it doesn't mean enough to you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so like yeah, like. He had some very special moments for us, but there's a lot of other special little stories that go along the way with with a lot of other horses that had one hundredth of his ability. You know, like that's 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 the cool thing about harness racing is every every winner has a story. Yeah. Um, you know, they've all come from somewhere. There's always something that's you know, there's a, like we have. You know, like we don't have photos on the wall anymore. Um, but you go back and watch replays every now and then. And like our maiden at Pinjarra, like we've we've got one at home called Dr. Catherine. Um, it's taken me two years to get to the races and it's like it's mad, it's silly as a wheel. Um, we've done some really left field type stuff with her with the gating and all that sort of stuff and she won on debut by 30 metres, you know, and that we, you know, like that they're exciting wins because, you know, like you, what you, what you, what's gone into the horse to get him to win that race. Um, you know, they all, yeah, they all hold, hold special memories. It's not just, not just the elite ones. Yeah. The, the incident, mate, obviously very raw and, you know, tough to talk about and, you know, memories. Um, what, what was it about it? Was it the fear that, that the horse was going to pass away? Yeah, it was more that. Yeah. You know, like, on, on reflection, you know, two weeks later, you start thinking about, oh, well, that's probably him done for his racing career. Oh, we knew, you know, once I got out to the university that that was it. You know, like, there's no chance of him ever coming back. And, they said, you know, there was a couple of different options for us. One was a little bit of a risk to his life, I said, well, don't even worry about that one, just just save the horse's life, that's all I want. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and credit to the vet staff, they, they just, you know, like, I did, that thing about him was the next day, he'd come off the table, next day he'd licked his bin, and was just, you know, just had his head over the barn door, 
crawling out for, for more food, you know. Like yeah. that, was, that was him. Um, his best life. Didn't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, look, it was a tough day. It was a very tough day. Um, but you've got to have, you know, not that you want those lows, you've got to have those lows to appreciate the highs and, yep. and appreciate everything that goes into the sport, you know. And, and it wasn't just me, you know, like it was the owners and, you know, the, the drivers and, you know, and a lot of other people, participants that saw the what happened after the race that, um, you know, it, it hurts them as well, you know. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just, it wasn't just me. Can imagine, mate, because you take them in like, the, like you know, their family, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when they're successful, obviously. Well, you spend so much more time with them because you're going when away they, with them. When they're successful, yeah. You know, one-on-one and that. And, you know, even, even this horse now, like, um, he's always sort of been a bit of a, like Penny Tiger's always been a bit of a loner, doesn't like a whole lot of attention and et cetera. But being over here, the cat and the twins, um, and like he's, you never would have been able to lead him up to the barn on the back of pushing a, a, a two <laughs> twin stroller in front yeah, of you, you know. Yeah. But now he comes up, he, he sniffs the boys, he licks the boys, you know. Like he yeah, just, yeah, yeah. they develop and 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 they be, they become more comfortable and they become part of the, as you say, part of the family. And he's yeah. he's he's actually just turned into this super cool little horse. That's cool. I, I spoke to Steve Turnbull last year when he got his four thousand wins and we reflected on on life in racing and he said and he obviously you know that they, they've got favorites within there um you know and he said old socks he said the, the beautiful thing about socks was he became part of the family but he allowed them to travel yeah. and he said they they saw the country and in fact they you know took him overseas as well by being able to through the horse and the horse then becomes the centerpiece of almost like the family dynamic like, it's, it sounds like there's a bit of that going on with you guys. Yeah, well, and truly, and that's what they do. You know, like, um, it's very rare for a very, very good horse to be not that way. Yeah. Um, you know, like, they just, the reason that they're so good is because they're so intelligent. They know how to use their body in the right ways. You know, they look after themselves when they need to look after themselves. You know, they put in when they need to put in. And, and they're, you know, like, and that's that's a, that's a really cool part about about training is is working out those little idiosyncrasies of each individual horse and finding out what you can do to make them better. You know, like it's 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 continually up to us to make them better. They yeah, can't yeah. tell you. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of you know, like Fred Kersley was always one. You you'd always just see Fred just looking at him and you think, wonder what that silly old bastard's thinking. <laughs> But they, they in that probably separated the really good ones yeah. from the others. Hundred percent. They just knew. You know, like you just instinct. knew. Yeah, 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 and and it's, it's look, it's experience. It's years and years and years of experience and years and years of stuffing things up. Yeah, but um, more often than not, they get it right. Um, so that that's that's a really cool part of training. Do you yeah. think you're getting a bit of that about you? Like, or, and that um, you got better and better. I've got at better that? at it, yeah. absolutely. Um, but you know, it's one of the things that when you, when you surround. And I've said this in the past past interviews. You know, I worked I worked for a hall of famer in the gallops in, in Fred and also, you know, his trotting feats, are, you know, everyone knows about them. Yep. I worked for Gary Hall Senior, Hall of Famer, and I worked for, for Russell Jack, uh, learnt my skills off Russell. So I, 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 I believe I've um, done my apprenticeship under Russell Jack, who, who I believe is the greatest horseman I've seen. Uh, Fred Kersley needs no introduction, and Gary Hall Senior, who is one of the greatest conditioners of horses I've seen. Um, so if I didn't pick something up, I wasn't trying. Pretty good, pretty <laughs> good box trifecta. Very, that one. Yeah. Like, very You got to be a deal if you don't pick things yeah, up yeah. when you're working for them. So yeah. it's and even like even being away now, just 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 watching the way Luke operates, you know, and, and other times I've been away, 
you just go to different places and or even when people come to us you know like just seeing the way things are done differently like there's no there's no steadfast rule with yeah. training horses no playbook yeah um, and that's 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 the I find it really exciting and really challenging just to sit down and talk to people about it you know at the end of the day I think most of us in the game are just fans of the sport and fans of the horse um, and I think that's 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 a pretty cool job. Yeah, absolutely. Geez, mate, for a hockey player, you sounded a bit like a horseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are you? Like, what, what are we – I mean, um, we, we should we should reflect on your career. You played hockey for Australia 134 times. You scored 53 goals for Australia. They're, they're good numbers, Jess. That, very, very that's impressive. That's good numbers. Yes. Um, and there's a gold medal from the Olympics. We, I don't know if you know, Jess – but Michael certainly does. We had this giant monkey on our back when it came to Olympic sports and it was men's hockey. Right. And Michael and, um, and some very, very talented people um, embarked. Well, started a dynasty, really. I mean, we've been brilliant ever since, haven't we? But, you know, it took a lot of hard work to get to that, that gold medal in Athens. And what a moment. It was just brilliant. Um, how do you reflect on winning a gold medal made at the Olympics? Yeah, look, it was um – it was, and once again, mine's a, a bit of a different story because that's sort of the way that's the way I roll. <laughs> I like to do things and stuff things up and dig myself out of holes, and that sort of makes a lot makes life you know interesting and enjoyable. But um, we Sydney was um, like I played in Sydney before before we went went to Athens, and and Sydney was a very very difficult tournament for us. Um, we, we won bronze, don't get me wrong. Yeah. We, won, we won bronze, a bronze medal at, at our home Olympics. Uh, extra time um, penalty shootout. Extra time penalty shootout. Livers, and livers it, with the... Livers uh, missed, yes. And um, it, that was... It was one of them... You know, obviously, you, you do a lot of... Uh, I've done a lot of keynote speaking and all that sort of stuff following um, Sydney and Athens. Um, and it was one of them tournaments where we were so good um, but still didn't get the result. You know, like it was very, very difficult to, um, you know, one of our, one of our, it's one of my career lowlights, um, but one of my career highlights as well, uh, is the fact that we got beat in that semi-final. We were the only team to go throughout the competition, not losing, Sydney. not losing, yeah, in yeah. Sydney and not losing yeah. in regulation time. Yep. And yet we still walk away with a bronze. But what made it a highlight for me was the way that, you know, after this losing that way in a semi-final, uh, when all your family and friends are there, um, going away, having a few beers that night, and then stepping back up from the greatest disappointment that any of us have experienced, and coming out two days later and absolutely smashing the pants off Pakistan. You know, like we beat them six bronze, three. Yeah, because you play off again, don't you? For yeah, bronze medal. Um, and that was yeah. that to me. That was a highlight, and it, that that personified and encompassed what it was to be a kookaburra and what it is to be an Australian sportsman, you know, like that, get down and, you know, like dig yourself out of a big hole and come back and do do what you can. So following following that, I, you know, I went and played in Europe for a year um, and I come back and I was just, just sort of lost um, and went through a little bit of depression, um, went to get on a plane to come to Sydney from Melbourne and I couldn't, couldn't get on the plane. I just, you know, I've flown all around the world hundreds of times. It's probably before mental health was really a thing. Yes, you know, 100% it was, it was yeah. yeah. And I turned around. I was ready to board a plane to do a coaching clinic up here. Um, turned around, went back to where I was living, uh, rang the Jack family when they were still living in Urinquinny and said, I'm coming up for the weekend. Went up for the weekend to stay for 12 months.
So that's where we'll end part A of this special episode with Harness Racing Trainer, Group 1 winner, Group 1, and Olympic gold medalist, Michael Brennan. What a superstar he is and what a pleasure it is to have him part of our sport. Now, the story will continue in Part B. You can head over there now. Now, what you'll hear Michael tell us about his health battles, unfortunately, what it means to be a harness racing trainer, how he's applied things that he's learnt by being an elite athlete to the equine industry. That is fascinating. You have to hear that. And of course, Jess will ask the big question, what is it like to win a Group 1 and how does it compare to winning an Olympic gold medal? It's a fascinating episode. You have to stay with us. Part B is available now. Make sure you head over. Keep listening. We'll see you there.